Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. I thought of um, in the creation story when God created mankind, it says in verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him Male and female, he created them. And so in this one sentence, it's almost, this is one of these places where the Bible, it kind of, it doesn't change tense, it changes, uh, I don't know what you'd call that, but um, it goes from a singular to a plural, all right? God created him, male and female, he created them. <clears throat> and in fact, prior to the fall, prior to sin, the word man referred to both the male and the female, and, and, and Eve didn't get a unique name until after sin entered into the world. All right? Prior to that, God saw them as one because it is the male and the female together that best reflects the image of God. And so he says when he created mankind, humankind, in my image, he created them male and female because it requires both parts to reflect the image of God. And in and, and culture, and especially, in, unfortunately, in Christianity, even though this is our book, right, <laughs> we've missed that. And there's a distorted view that uh, the image of God somehow reflects just man, and, uh, or a, a male aspect of it. But in reality, God is not just male. He's not female. He goes beyond that. And the only way that God in his wisdom um, was able to communicate all the dimensions of, of who he is was to create us in this, this, this multiple, this multifaceted way. And so God goes even further because he's a trinity, right? And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so what I want to bring out of this is that when we honor mothers, we are honoring you as you reflect God's nature in a way that men cannot. And we best reflect God's nature when we see each other as equals. You know, because that, that's what we were intended to be without sin. And that's what we're restored to through grace. And so we just, just, just love that. We honor you in that dimension. And uh, we just want to bless you. And so I just would like, <clears throat> like all the ladies, and, and again, if you're not a, if you haven't bore children naturally, we see you as a woman, as one who is mothers spiritually as well. And so we honor all uh, uh, moms, all females. And so if you could just rise, and I just want to pray a word of blessing over you and just honor you. Yeah, let's give them a big hand, eh? Wow. <clears throat> I was thinking uh, uh, just during a worship, during second service, that there's really a, yeah, and there's, there's actually, I could turn and share scriptures about this too, that the enemy actually wars against mothers, uh, that uh, there is enmity, right? Uh, and the enemy has, has designs and, 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 and attacks. Of course, the enemy does that to all mankind. But, you know, what? we just bless. God's blessing is more powerful than the enemy's strategies. And, and so, Father, join with me in prayer. Would you just stretch out your hands to the ladies, guys, uh, and just pray for them. Father, we pray blessing upon every woman here. We thank you for them. Lord, we are so grateful that you, you did not leave us alone, but you gave us a woman. And we bless each and every woman here. We bless them that they would receive your blessing, that they would be all that you've created them to be, all that you desire them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. You may be seated. <clears throat> 
One other thing, I just want to take the opportunity to share with you. Maybe some of you notice a bunch of us running around up here uh, during worship. How many notice that? Anybody notice that? <clears throat> okay, so this is what happened. <clears throat> the first thing that happened is that I took off my shoes, because sometimes I do during worship, my foot got wet. And I'm like, gosh, somebody must have spilled something. <clears throat> and uh, worship's going on, and then and then Tori's over here, and she comes over and says, all these wet spots just appeared. And I'm telling you, a bunch of us up in front, like, these, they weren't here at the beginning of the worship. And they weren't here at first service. All right? You were here first service too, right? And, and you sat right at it, and they weren't here, okay? So all of a sudden, it just gets, starts getting wet. And I'm thinking, oh, there's a leak, all right? But this is a slab. There's nothing underneath here, and there's no way the water could get this far in, all right? Um, and so one of the things, if you want to, we're talking about the presence of God as a powerful worship. And one of the things I've learned over the years is that if you want to see something extraordinary, out of the ordinary, you have to look for it, all right? And every supernatural manifestation will always have a natural explanation. It's really true. There's very few things that are supernatural that cannot be explained in the natural. All right? So what you have to do is go, is this supernatural or is this something natural? And sometimes the overlap is significant. And sometimes it actually doesn't matter. Okay? Kathy has a testimony when she was up in Toronto once, and she felt wind blowing on her. And she was like, oh, is it the air conditioning system? And, and God said, what does it, does it matter? And the reason it didn't matter was because it caused her to say, wow, God is real. So guess what? All wind is a manifestation of God because God created air. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So was it the air conditioning? It doesn't matter. It's air. And God created it, and he used it to get her attention. Uh, 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 okay, if you could do it quickly. What he said is that, is that he is equally in the natural and the supernatural wind. Yeah, so God it manifests himself equally in the natural or the supernatural. So this is the deal. What we think happened and what we've heard of other places happening is a, what's called supernatural rain. Sometimes I've heard of, I've never seen it physically, but I've, I've heard people that I trust say they actually saw rain coming down. Uh, the, uh, rain is an image throughout scripture of God's presence. And so we, in the spirit, we think that this was a manifestation of, of God, Holy Spirit rain, right? And we rejoice in that. <clears throat> now it's possible Katie was cleaning yesterday, and she scrubbed the floor up here with cleaning fluid. All right. So, pot with water? Was it water? Oh. Well, it had a sweet smell. So, so, uh, no, well, we don't know. She used water, and she used water yesterday, it's, and it was dry at the beginning. So this is the thing. Is it natural? It might be. And if, and if, if, that's, if that answers it for you, that's great. You know, or, or maybe it's just a little, a little so one, one teacher calls them God winks. You know, or there's a little wink, you go, what do you think of that? <laughs> you know? 
So either way, we welcome the supernatural presence of God. And Lord, we'll say, give us this, we want a little more. Come on. How many want more? All right. Hey, you know what? Two weeks ago, we announced that my wife, they found a tumor in my wife's lung. And they were talking about taking out half her left lung. And so we prayed for her. And the intercessors shouted over her. And uh, we went back. Yeah. They shouted it out because they went back and they got another test. And it was half the size and diffused. <laughs> and no sign of cancer. The doctor smiled and said, it's, it's going away. Have follow-up tests in six months. Yeah, come on. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All right. We have Merrily Mentor coming up to talk about carrying, carrying God's presence. Welcome her. Yeah. All right. How fun. I'm even more excited now. You know, this morning as I was coming, I just got to this place where I was like, God, if you don't show up, if you don't anoint these words, I don't even want to do it. You know, it's only for what he does in you. You know, just coming to church, if the presence isn't here, it's in vain. Right. And, um... His presence is here, and he likes it here. Um, <laughs> he does. And so um, my prayer is that each and every one of you would get something, that the Holy Spirit would take a little nugget of something I say, or maybe it's not even something I say, but the Holy Spirit is the one that does it, and he'll speak something to your heart. That's going to be great. Um, I am so glad that we are spending a month talking about God's presence. I love this topic. I'm thrilled. Um, to think about it, to, to study it, and to share it with you. Last week, Kathy spoke on encountering God's presence. That was great. And today, we're going to talk about carrying God's presence. And um, <clears throat> I feel like it's so important because the presence of God is where we came from. Cameron talked about in the garden. We, Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden, talk to him face to face. So it's mankind's origin and it's our destiny as believers. We're going to spend eternity in his presence. That's right. And so I feel like the more we can learn about it, we can get used to living in it, we can get used to honoring his presence and being comfortable in it, the better. Yeah. You know, that's where we're going to spend eternity. How many of you, if you were going to live somewhere, wouldn't first... You know, you're going to live somewhere the rest of your life. You wouldn't first want to, like, learn about that place, check it out, all you could know to be prepared. So I'm just, I love his presence, as I know uh, most of you do as well. So we are a presence-based church. And so what that means is we care about what God wants to do. Yeah. And we give him space to do that. Um, we make room for the Holy Spirit. Um, we know that God is constantly communicating with us and we can uh, grow and learn and get better at tuning into his voice and hearing him and what he wants to do and say. Um, I think it's really cool. It's such a picture of unity that God was showing me through this next point here. I think it's really cool how God dwells among us 
Like yeah. he's in our midst. He comes and saturates a room because the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Yeah. And it also says where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Yeah. So he comes among us. And then he's also in us. We carry his presence. He's in us. He's outside of us. Such this unity with the presence that's amazing to me. It sounds like um, what Jesus prayed in John 17 when he says, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like in the presence. So at 1 Corinthians um, 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit whom you receive from God? I'm just going to make sure here that I'm... Do I, if the green is on, then that means it's on, right? Okay. Yes. God dwells among us, in us. And there's that awesome verse I just read, that our bodies house the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. That's amazing. Um, so in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant... God's presence resided with the ark. And um, so the ark was a um, box made of acacia wood covered in gold. It was about four feet long, about two feet high, two feet deep, roughly. And there were uh, four rings, one on the four bottom corners. And poles were um, made to go through those rings. And whenever the, ch- the Ark of God would be carried, no one could touch the Ark. You had to carry it on those uh, poles. And the top of the um, Ark had an atonement cover, also covered in gold. And there were two um, cherubim, which are angels, on either side of the top, facing each other, hovering with arms, uh, with wings outstretched towards the middle, and then God's presence resided between them on the mercy seat. Mm-hmm. And so um, whenever they um, needed to go somewhere, they would, they would carry it that way. And um, there were a lot of very specific instructions and guidelines that God gave them to interact that close with his presence. He wanted them to be able to do it safely. And so he gave guidelines, he gave warnings, what would happen if they didn't. And only priests could could carry it, who were Levites. Only they could get um, that close. But um, under the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit uh, filled some people then, and he desired to fill all people. Um, His desire was that we all would be priests. And all carry his presence. In Exodus 19, um, 6, God tells the Israelites, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then in the, (laughs) under the new covenant, Will you be my... Yeah, thanks, honey. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, under the new covenant, um, God's presence resides in believers. We're all anointed to be re- priests. Each Christian 
is a priest. We're a chosen people, a holy nation. In 1 Peter 2.9 it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a carrier of God's presence. See, the moment um, Jesus died... What happened in the temple at that time, the the ark was in the temple inside the Holy of Holies. There was a curtain surrounding the ark. Um, And the moment Jesus died, the curtain was torn top to bottom. And um, Jesus' sacrifice allowed everyone access to the presence of God. God's available to fill all. And we can all carry his presence So we are going to delve into a a fun Bible story from the life of King David having to do with carrying the presence of God, carrying the ark. And so we're going to learn from what David experienced. We're going to learn from what he did right, what he did wrong. We can apply it to our lives as a presence-based church full of presence-based people. So first, a little background. Um, David loved the presence of God because as a boy he was a shepherd keeping the sheep and he would just spend that time worshiping God. He would play his harp and sing and it was just him and God out there in the wilderness and um, and the sheep and other things too. But <laughs> the intimacy and the presence of God David learned to just love the presence of God and, and get good at being in it and um, so he also knew, David knew that God was good and that um, God poured out blessing on those who are close to him. So these are some truths that were just in David. And so <clears throat> when our story begins here, when David is crowned king, um, he is desiring closeness with God's presence. So Saul was the first king of Israel. And when Saul dies, um, the elders of Israel come and they anoint David uh, king over Israel as God had commanded through Samuel. And so David is going to go to be king in the city of David, which is Jerusalem. Um, And he wants the ark there. During the time of Saul, the ark had been out of sight, out of mind. And David's like, hey, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to be king, I want the presence as close as possible. So everyone agreed, hey, that's a great idea. So the Bible says that all of Israel, all of his um, soldiers go in this huge parade, this huge entourage of people, and they're going to go get the ark. Can you imagine how big this procession was and how loud it must have been like every kind of instrument the most amazing marching band ever you know and just singing at the top of their lungs dancing exuberantly before the lord and i mean it's just wild and amazing so they um they get to judah where the ark is in abinadab's house And they uh, put it onto a brand new ox cart. um, And Abinadab's sons were driving the cart. The one son, Yuza, was alongside the the, um, ark. And they're in procession. Everything's going great. Everything's going great. And then, at one point, the oxen stumble. 
and the the cart gets upset and the chest is falling and Yuza reaches out and grabs it. And what happens next is <laughs> very um, not what David was expecting, yeah. I'm sure. Um, God blazed in anger against Yuza and struck him hard because he had profaned the ark. Yuza died on the spot in the presence of God, the Bible says. And so David's response is in 1 Chronicles 13, 11. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Yuza. David was afraid of God that day and asked, How can I ever bring the ark of God to me? He just felt so hopeless in that moment. Yeah. He did not take the ark with him to the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, to um, kind of wait there. Because he's like, I can't take it any further. I can't take it anymore. Yes, I can't take it anymore. So while the ark was there, um, God blessed uh, the entire household of Obed-Edom. And, and him and his whole household prospered because of God's presence. Yeah. And David knew that that would happen. That's why he wanted the ark with him. Yeah. So, you know, mm, how tough. So David gets back home and there's three months time where David is probably trying to make sense of things, right? Um, the Bible actually tells us a few things that happens during that time. One of them is that God um, blesses King David so much and establishes his reputation and confirms him as king over Israel. And so David's like, whoa, okay. And there's a few like very specific cool things that happen that affirm that to him. And then also, God gives the Israelites victory over the Philistines twice in that period of time. Both times the Philistines are... Um, going to attack Israel and David's like, oh my gosh, okay, God. He prays and asks God, what should we do? And both times God gives very specific strategies of, of what to do and they were different both times. And, and, God, and David did exactly as God had commanded and victory was won because God went before and, and, and beat the Philistines for them. Um, and so that was just amazing. David felt so affirmed and rejoiced because of that. And I can tell because of what happens next that David studied right. and that he learned how to carry God's presence properly. Yep. Um, David wanted the blessing of the close presence of God. He knew there was greater intimacy to attain because he was still praying. God was still answering his prayers, but he wasn't satisfied with that. Yeah. He, wanted, he wanted the most uh, close intimacy to his presence as possible. So David does it a little differently the second time around. The second time around, he um, clears a place for the ark, pitches a tent for it in the city of David, prepares. He, he gives special orders. No one carries the ark except the Levites. Um, God, because God designated them and only them to carry it. And then again, he calls all of Israel and they all go to get the ark. Um, and in First Chronicles fifteen thirteen, it's up there. David says, the first time we did this, 
You Levites did not carry it properly, and God exploded in anger at us because we didn't make proper preparations and follow instructions. So he went from the verse above being afraid, angry, um, feeling like it was hopeless, calling it off, backing away from the presence of God to learning, working it out, coming back to closest with the presence and learning from that and making proper preparations and doing it God's way, following instructions so he could have the ark with them. You see, because God, he's a really good father. He gives us warnings. He would not have just done that without giving them warnings first. And so Yuza died not because God isn't good. He died because they weren't doing it right. Right. They weren't following the instructions God laid out for them. And the people weren't bearing his presence. Yeah. Animals. Animals were. How offensive. How completely against the whole design of God's intention, you know. That he wouldn't compromise. Only people can carry my presence. So it wasn't a punishment. It was a consequence of doing it wrong. Good. So the second time, David does it right. The Levites carry the chest just as God had commanded through Moses. They carry it with those poles on their shoulders, careful not to touch it with their hands. Again, there's a huge choir, all the instruments. The air was filled with a joyful, joyful sound of praise to God. They just went rejoicing the whole way. They paused this time to offer sacrifices. Um, They were all dressed in what they were supposed to be dressed in, in the linen. And David just danced with great abandon before the Lord. So up they came, bringing the chest, shouting and and cheering and having a wonderful time. So it it safely arrives in the place that he had prepared for it. And um, so David learned how to carry God's presence the proper way. He learned from the consequence, and he came back and carried God's presence again. And one of the, the main things that God laid on my heart um, as to why he wanted me to share this message was that, that there um, are people here that he is beckoning back to intimacy, that, that like David, something went wrong. Come on. You, you know, David's heart was in the right place. He, he just wanted to be close to God and knew his presence was good. And so he's going for it and something goes wrong. And, um, and I feel like uh, maybe some of you can, can relate to that. Maybe, you know, something you were counting on doesn't happen. Or maybe someone dies. Um, maybe you, uh, maybe someone breaks a promise and just breaks your heart. Uh, maybe God doesn't act the way you expected him to. Maybe someone that you really uh, had a lot of trust and, and faith in as a, as a leader, they totally just hurt you. I don't know what it is for you that um, maybe as a result you backed away from his presence, you called off the parade like David and left the level of intimacy you were functioning in. So, um, if that is you, there, um, we can learn from the story and, and there is a good end. <laughs> um, so, we're going to look at some application. What can we learn about carrying God's presence from this story that I just shared? How many of you liked the story time? 
I love Bible stories. Okay, so first is that, um, sorry, is that um, we should desire God's presence. We learn from David that he clearly desired God's presence and that we... Um, two, can desire closeness with him. God is good. Number two, he is deserving of exuberant worship. David recognized that God responds to the praises of his people with his presence. Mm -hmm. And David valued his presence. Um, Number three, God pours out abundant blessing on those who are close to his presence. And so that's just something um, you can know about God and expect. The closer you are to him, the more you're positioning yourself for blessing. Um, Number four, prepare for God's presence. Um, The second time David did that, he, he took time and properly prepared for it. And we can do that. Um... In, in a service by asking him what he wants to do, and we do that. Right. Um, and also individually, you know, examining our hearts before we come to gather and, and meet in his present, co- presence corporately. You know, maybe there's someone that, you know, you need to forgive or repent of something or, you know, just get prepared uh, for worship. Um, number five, um, we should obey God's instructions. God is to be obeyed. Um, His holiness deserves and demands our obedience. So we should live and worship in ways that honor Him. See, our personal holiness is important to God. Mm -hmm. It matters to Him um, because it allows us to be closer to Him. And we are, you know, saved by grace. It's His gift that cleanses us. Um, but then we get to choose to live holy and to make choices that honor him. And that's all part of growing in maturity um, as believers. That's the process we're all in. And um, so our personal holiness is important to him. A couple verses, Psalm 15, 1 and 2 says, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. And then also Ephesians 4.30 says, Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with cutting, with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. I love that verse because it's like, wow, the Holy Spirit living in us really is the most intimate part of our life. And no, I don't want to break his heart, you know, or grieve him. So, number six, two more things that we can learn from the story and apply. Um, number six, when something confusing happens, seek God. Yeah. Um, work it out like David did. Take that time to study, you know, study the scriptures. Learn what you didn't know about God before. Good. 
seek godly counsel um, and allow him to redefine your understanding of how he works, of who he is, of how he's made you to be, of how he wants you to view a situation. Um, I love this quote from Bill Johnson. It says, or he says, God will not violate his word, but he doesn't seem to mind violating our understanding of his word. <laughs> so true. All a process of, of learning and growing. So, um, if you know, come back, seek God, come back to that level of intimacy that you once shared. That's number seven, actually. Go back to God's presence. Um, and move forward then with Him in your newfound understanding that you gained during step six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like David, come back and carry God's presence again. So, that's what I have for you. Yep. <laughs> And I'm going to ask Cameron to um, close us out. Yeah, leave those, leave those points up there, will you, Dan? Uh, yeah, great job, Marilee. I think she gives a bigger hand than that. <laughs> Just speaking on the, 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 the presence of God and how much we value uh, as a church and as individuals. And so we want to cultivate that in, our, in, in the church life, but then we also cultivate that personally as uh, we live and, and you know just day to day and learning how to incorporate God's value, uh, presence and I think everything that she shared was good um, when I when she was speaking first service uh, she describing that story of King David bringing the ark and Uzzah dying and it's always been a difficult s scripture it really is it's like gosh God that was kind of mean <laughs> but uh, Marilee said something that uh, in first service, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it in second the same way, but she said, you know, we may not have had a friend die in pursuit of God uh, like David did. <clears throat> and it just hit me like a lightning bolt, actually, sitting in the front seat that I understood that scripture and that story in a whole new way. Because you know what? Each one of us has had a friend die in pursuit of God. And that friend was Jesus. And all of a sudden I saw that Uzzah represents Jesus. Because yeah. he reached out his arm. Right? Isn't that what Jesus did? And steady the ark. Because they weren't doing it right. They were violating the law. And Uzzah died touching the presence of God. And so it just Help me see it in a whole different light and how Uzzah represents Jesus Christ. Because we all, we can't, we don't know how to carry God's presence. And when we try, we get it wrong. Uzzah did not die in vain. He didn't. All these things, David learned from it. And as a result, David brought the ark in the proper way and actually instituted a season of worship where there was no veil between the ark and the people. It's called the Tabernacle of David. All right? 
And so Uzzah's death actually enabled David to bring the ark and enabled the people, the whole nation, to experience God in a way that was unprecedented. And that's exactly what Jesus' death did. Because, because of Jesus' death on the cross, we can have access to the Holy of Holies. It says that. That we have access. We can go into God's presence because of Jesus' death on the cross. Does that make sense? All right. Listen, Jesus died. And if that doesn't make sense, let me just say it this way. Jesus died. He gave his life so that you could have unrestricted access to God's presence. And in God's presence, there's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's no sickness. There's no sin. There's no temptation even. In God's presence, it's holy. It's pure. It's light. It's life. There's no shame. Because that was all born in Jesus' death. And there's freedom. Would you just stand? Turn, our ten- turn your attention to the Lord. If there's anything in your life that is an obstacle between where you are and you experiencing His presence, if there's a sin, if there's shame,